Hey everybody and welcome back to a new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FanDrag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me is Pauli Questel. No Elliot Niblock today, and today I can actually say his last name too, which is nice. Uh, I guess you've slept. Yeah, I, no I haven't. That's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, my little baby girl has a cold here, so she kept me up for pretty much the whole night. Um, but I mean, I'm running on coffee and some uh, New York beer, Genesee, New York's oldest brewery, founded 1878. So that's a pretty good year, 1878. Uh, you want to tell me like what happened in 1878? Because um... uh, if you if you think about it, 1878. Is that when Newton Heath was founded? Correct. Oh, you are correct. Good one. Damn. So one point for Bali. Bonus point. There we go. Uh, we'll be talking about the Champions League here. Should we add it to my prediction <laughs> score? I don't think I need it. No, I don't think you needed it. Um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the Champions League here as we have the first couple of games, and then we'll take a look ahead at three. I think we're going to be able to squeeze in three of the games from the Premier League here as we uh, head into match week five. And then, of course, our scoring predictions, and then we'll get a little mobile take from Elliot about Arsenal and their Europa League game against Cologne or Köln. Um, yeah, well, so all that, I can say is that was like the most amazing welcome to the Europa League thing that could have happened. Yeah, it had a little bit of everything. Short of that game where the lights went off at halftime. Yes, a couple of years ago. Yep. So a little bit of everything, but first and foremost, the Champions League, and uh, you know one of the games that we were looking forward to the most from a you know semi-neutral perspective, uh, Tottenham against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Tottenham took a three-to-one win, and um, you know a lot of talk about the quote-unquote Wembley ghost or whatever you curse for uh, Tottenham, but I think they played a very good game here and took a pretty well-deserved win oh this was fantastic and just from like considering that what we saw on tuesday was every favored team not only one but one big um i think it's yeah like barcelona that was the only close that was the only kind of like close-ish game and barcelona even pulled away with it chelsea they went out and and beat whatever the heck a carabag is yes um yeah, that was Who 6 else nothing. Was out there? PSG that, thumped Celtic 5 yeah, nothing. PSG just destroyed Celtic. United couldn't have tried less and, and defeated uh, Basel, who came into Old Trafford with absolutely no intention of playing. They would have just sat in their, in their own box the entire game. Oh. And the only game that you know had some action in it was the Atletico versus Roma match, where Atletico just missed chance after chance after chance. And somehow that game ended nil-nil. So... Right away, 15 minutes in, by like the time the clock hit 3 o'clock on Wednesday, it was like thank you to both of these teams for not only coming to play, but coming to just attack the crap out of each other, which, uh, I shouldn't say that. Dortmund came to play like Dortmund, which was great. Mm -hmm. Tottenham, I think, really benefited from the fact that Deli Alley was suspended because that meant that they weren't going to try to play the way that they normally play. And they said... We're actually not going to press you. This isn't going to be a game where both teams press each other. Uh, we're going to sit back and we're going to hit you on the counter. And boy, did they hit them on the counter. Yeah, well. it worked so well. Uh, Seong Hong Min opened up the score in the fourth minute. 
Then Andre Jamrelenko tied things up 11th minute, and that was a really good goal. Yeah, that was really but good. That's goal. what it. I mean, I want to say that's what it took to put the ball into Tottenham's net because they're the defending was very good. You, you, we already know about Vertonghen. We already know about Alder, Alderweireld. Uh, Davison Sanchez was phenomenal, and I want to say that's what it took to put the ball in the net. However, they did do it two other times, and the referees said otherwise. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, but Yarmolenko, we spoke a little bit about him last week, uh, or earlier this week, and I think he's going to be such a good player for them. Then Harry Kane, two goals. So uh, Harry Kane has two Champions League goals this season so far, and um, Olivier Giroud has zero Europa League goals. <laughs> so I yeah. don't, you know, so I don't... that pace from Elliot, you better, your boy better pick up his pace because he's got about twenty-five <laughs> matches now on Harry Kane. Yeah. Who, uh, if you didn't, if you didn't know, it's not August anymore; it's September. Yep. If, you, if you didn't know that uh, by Harry Kane scoring, I believe he had six in the first thirteen days of September, which would obviously be club and country. <laughs> I guess he scored twice for England. Oh, he did score twice for England. Yeah. So, he's, so yeah. he's in great form. Great, great form. So, I mean, good start for Tottenham. It's a tough group that they're and to, in. And to go back to that, what my friend just, my friend had a very good point. And he said, I guess we need to bet on England to win the 2022 World Cup because that won't be in the summer. Hmm. That is correct. Yeah. How old will no. he be then? 2022. He'll be about 28. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, 30. He'll be 30. 30. Yeah, still. That's <laughs> no, still... no, it's five years away. He'll be 29. He'll be 29. Okay. Yeah. So not too bad. Uh, the other team, uh, you know, the big team in their group, Real Madrid, they took a 3 nothing win over Apoel. And uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored twice. So very important for Tottenham to get a win in this first game here as only, you know, two teams move on. And they definitely want to be one of those two teams and avoid finishing third and going to the Europa League. I mean, it was, it was big for a whole bunch of reasons. And that being first one is this was the game, you know, you need, you need to hold serve against Real Madrid. And by hold serve, I mean, you got to do what Dortmund does. And that's really pray to God that you can get a draw on the road, which Dortmund did do last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really do your best to get a result at home, which Dortmund did last year also. So you need to hold serve against Real Madrid. You have to take care of business against Apoel. And what it comes down to is what are you going to do against Dortmund? And yeah. that's a huge three points. And it's not just the huge three points, but it's the three points at Wembley because that now that's off your back. And now you could take that in back into the Premier League where they still hadn't won and say, okay, uh, this hex is over. We can win here and go on and, and move on with your season. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, I think, too, that if you look at the whole thing, too, if you can get a draw against Real Madrid at home and a draw away, that's fine. But like you say, it's those games against Dortmund that are really going to be the big difference here. And then, of course, you got to beat Upwell twice. There's no, right. ex no excuse for dropping points against Upwell. They're clearly the weakest team in this group. Exactly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to follow Spurs and see if this has any effect on them in league play. Because uh, I, I don't feel like they have the the deepest squad. Real Madrid? No, Tottenham. They don't. And, and that's 
the confusing thing, especially because like when when Yarmolenko scored that goal, and then you just thought about it, and you're like, wait a minute, like Yarmolenko was never even mentioned in the rumors this summer, and at the end of the yeah, like you know Dortmund loses Dembele, and they just went in and signed Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko had a tremendous Euro last year. He was great, and somehow his name doesn't get thrown around in the in the transfer rumors the way anybody's name would ever get thrown around if they have a big summer tournament. Yeah. And so he just goes back to his club, continues to do his thing, and it's like, if you're Tottenham, you live for these kind of players. You live for players where it's like, oh, there's not a lot of rumors around him, so you know we can negotiate and get a, and get a good deal on him. Tottenham need wingers. You know, the only people that they signed were more defenders. You know, they signed a center back who they, they already have some of the better ones. They signed a right back finally because they needed one. And they signed a backup striker because their other backup striker stunk. But, like, they didn't need a backup striker. They need attacking players, especially on the wings. Why didn't you, like, ever think, like, hey, that Yarmolenko guy plays in Eastern Europe. Let's give him a call. Well, I know his name was floating around a lot last summer. And he was more fair. He said that he wasn't that interested in playing in the Premier League. He wanted to go to, I think he said he preferred to go to Spain or Italy. And then, okay, that's fair. He ends up in that's Germany. That's fair. But... If the player just says, Look, I don't, I don't want to play for you, there's nothing you can do there. But yeah. why not inquire? You know, all right, uh, if you're playing out in Eastern Europe and, no, and you say, I want to go to Spain or I want to go to Italy. And no one from Spain or Italy calls, and all of a sudden the team from the Premier League calls, and they say, hey, we're going to pay you this much money. You know, maybe your thoughts are going to change. It's not like you're going to the Midlands of England. You're going to you're going to London. Yeah. No, that's true. And they got him for a pretty good price, too. I believe it was 25 million euros. Yeah. It was it was so cheap, considering what the market is. And this was also in the post-Neymar market. And, the, and considering also that they just got a lot of money for Dembele, which means... Teams know you have money, so they're going to try to shake you down, and they still got him for 25. Yeah. Okay, quick hit on Liverpool's game against Sevilla. That ended in a 2-2 draw. And, um, yeah, Firmino missed a penalty in this one. He also, he did That's score. not the story. He did score. <laughs> That's not the story. No. The, Liber- story, the Liverpool, story is. Yes. You, you, go and tell me the story. Yeah, Liverpool and their defensive woes. And... This was something we always knew was going to happen. It's just, it's blown up on Klopp real quick. And we thought we put it to bed, which was, which was silly. It was silly of us to think this um, when they kept two clean sheets in a row. You know, we, we saw it week one when they, it was 3-3 draw against Watford. And then Crystal Palace comes into Anfield and it's like they didn't score, but they also had no interest in attacking. And then the Liverpool go and run Arsenal off the field. And we kind of just forgot, like, oh, yeah, like, this team can't defend. And they couldn't defend last year. They didn't go out there and sign any center backs. What did you expect was going to happen? And, I mean, Jurgen Klopp spoke in his press conference after the game. And he said, you know, the the problems with our defense aren't going to be solved in the transfer window. Which is true also because... At Dortmund, when Klopp was at Dortmund, they did get caught out on defense quite often, and they had Mats Hummels back there. But, you know, if Ragnar Klavin and Dejan Lovren are really bad, like, you might be able to find somebody that's better, who, when he gets caught out, can help himself. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, that's the thing, too. If you look at Liverpool's back four and compare it to 
the other top teams, they're clearly the weakest. I mean, Moreno, we've already spoken a lot about. Dejan Lovren, I don't think he's anything special. Juan Matip, mm, jury's still out. And then they play Joe Gomez as the right back for this game. He got sent off too, uh, we should add. so Two yellows. It was two yeah. yellows though. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's they have a glaring hole at right back. And then they could use an upgrade on all all the I, other positions you, too. You know what though? I it's going there are going to be games where it hurts them and you get really exposed. But I think if Liverpool stick with uh Alex Arnold, what the three he's got three names, it's a hyphenated name. Yeah. Matt Alexander Arnold, is that his name? Mm. The young kid right back, like the 18-year-old. If they stick with him, first of all, it'll pay off by April, but it will really pay off long-term. So if I were a Liverpool fan, I would want, even though it's going, look, he's going to have his gaffes and going to look bad, but I would want him playing not every game because he's he's a kid, but a lot of games and getting him experience everywhere. I don't understand why James Milner, the left back, is not playing anymore, Uh, you know, we we ridiculed that move when it happened last year, and it just never backfired on them. No, it's, was, it's still he, better than Marino, right? And it, it, he's like daily blend. It's just like he's solid and unspectacular back there, but yeah. gets the job done. You know, and daily blend gets caught out for his lack of pace, which James Milner does too. But at the same time, you know, when you go one on one defending with him, he'll get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, luckily for Liverpool, though, uh, Maribor and Sparta Moscow also played a draw. They played a 1-1 draw, so everyone is level with one point in that group. So a little bit of a silver lining there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll take a look ahead at the Premier League. So stick around. And we're back. we got a couple of good ones for you this weekend. We're going to start off by talking about the London Derby between Chelsea and Arsenal which is a sun- the uh, early game on Sunday at Stamford Bridge. Um, what do you expect from this game, Pauly? Um, I expect Chelsea to win, but I feel like this is always like the game that the unexpected happens. Like, remember last year, Arsenal thumped them in this game, which was kind of shocking, and it also turned Chelsea's season around. Now it's, it's hard to say. I mean, you always have to to expect the unexpected but with Arsenal playing tonight or Thursday night and having to come back to the early game Sunday and Chelsea having not played since Tuesday and resting most of their players because Morata didn't play uh, in the Champions League um, Eden Hazard there are rumors that he was fit but he didn't play and he could be coming back I believe so they're pretty fresh it's hard to think that they won't be able to expose Arsenal for the flaws that Arsenal have already showed. Yeah, Eden Hazard only played uh, about a half hour. Uh, oh, so he did play. Yeah, against Quarterback. So he's back. All right. Yeah, and they he's took back. off. They took off Conte, so he got to rest for about half an hour. Um. So I mean, they're going to be in, in very good spirits after beating Quarterback yeah, six nothing. And like those guys that are trying to prove, you know, Pobiaku uh, and. Uh, Mishibachua, like all of them getting on the score sheet, that's yeah. going to – they're they're a team full of confidence right now. Yeah, yeah Spilicueta got on there too. Zapacosta, Pedro. So, I mean, great for them. Great for them. Zapacosta is an all-time name. 
It really is. It really is. But I think they got, you know, sort of a diamond in the rough there too at the back with Andreas Christensen, the Dane. Uh, after numerous loan spells, he's finally getting some playing time. I mean, Arsenal have themselves, they got a diamond in the rough at the back with uh, Kolasinic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Christen, but I think, uh, yeah, Christensen, he can turn out to be something something really good for them. Only 21 years old, so still a lot of time ahead of him. Uh, then we also have Manchester United against Everton at Old Trafford, and it's Wayne Rooney's first game back after leaving this summer. Rooney! I mean, I'm assuming. I'm I, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to get a standing ovation, right? What? I, They're not. I was watching. Yeah. I was watching Premier League news today, and I and they like brought that up, and I think it was Jesse Lingard who was like, "Yeah, he's going to get like a warm." Of course he's going to yeah. get a warm reception. He's the club's all-time leading scorer. He left under mutual consent because pretty much every, you know, every fan didn't necessarily want him to leave, but it was like, well, we don't really want you in the team every week either. Yeah. Because, you know, you're not really helping the club anymore, so it's probably better for you to go somewhere else and go back to Everton. Like, there's no animosity here. There's no reason for him to not get the warmest of warm receptions. And I hope that this game plays out exactly like the one that uh, when Robin Van Persie came back to Old Trafford. Like, let us take a 4-0 lead, and then Wayne, you could score a few goals. Okay, yeah. And we'll all cheer for it. Like, we cheered Van Persie's goal when he scored in the Europa League last year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Manchester United coming off a 3-0 win over Basel. And, uh, you know, besides the, the, the win there, I mean, the big story was Paul Pogba going off injured. Uh, hamstring injury he could be up out up until six weeks which is not good. yeah this that's that's the reason that uh we won't go up for in this game and i was i was reading something yesterday where they brought it up and you know last year it's well documented we couldn't score goals especially at home you know lots of nil nil draws lots of one one run draws and uh when when pogba, pogba missed three games towards the end of the season and it was it was just another 1-1 draw at home and another nil-nil draw at home to inferior teams. And at the time, everybody just said, well, this is what happens. You know, this is what we've been doing all year. And then it was, look closer. Like, when we played Burnley at the beginning of the year, Tom Heaton stood on his head. Uh, like, when we played, I think it was Everton towards the end of the season. Um, you know, their goalkeeper just didn't get any, he didn't get any shots. And it was... Earlier in the year, we were just wasteful with our chances. But then when we took Pogba, out, when Pogba came out of the team, we weren't creating chances anymore. Yeah. So while he wasn't having the season that everybody really expected of him because of the price tag, his influence on the team was very much there. Now you're seeing more of the, the statistics that he has because Nemanja Matic is there to free him up with the space. So it will be interesting to see if... Because of the fact that we have Nemanja Modic and we could we could do some other things and Mkhitaryan's on great form and Lukaku is different from um, from Ibrahimovic who might have been hurt when Pogba got hurt so he's different from Rashford also it it will be interesting to see if we could overcome this injury but it's certainly going to be a challenge and and Mourinho's got you know he's got to get it right in the midfield which is a dangerous proposition yes because he's very keen on Marouane Fellaini. I would, um, tell me if I'm nuts here, but I would move Juan Mata down to playing Pogba's role and then throwing Rashford on the wing. Dude, I had the same thought. 
and I was like, would would that would that work? Because I think because I, I think Matic is good enough to you know do his thing, no matter who's next to him. And I think that if Mata can get the ball and then basically just transport it to Mkhitaryan, I think they they could play basically the same I, as with. So Pogba. I think I I don't think you could do it that way. I think if you go to like a four three three, it mm. can work. If you if you go with Matic in in the back and you bring in like Ander Herrera, then you can slide Juan Mata in as that other central midfielder and then have Mkhitaryan and, and either Rashford or Martial on the wings. But then, you know, that's just kind of a different look and you're kind of taking Mkhitaryan out of the middle. Yeah. The thing that Juan Mata brings to this team, and it's what we were missing against Stoke. I thought Mourinho got it wrong against Stoke. I thought he brought in Ander Herrera for no reason other than let's play Ander Herrera. I didn't, like, there was no reason for that. He didn't fit in the team right there. And, not having Juan Mata really hurt because Henrik Mkhitaryan is really good with the ball at his feet. He's creative. He can do a lot of things with the ball at his feet. Juan Mata is really good with the ball at his feet and is also very creative and can do a lot of great things. But what Juan Mata does that no one else on that front line does is his runs without the ball. Mm -hmm. He finds space. He makes creative runs. He makes runs with no intention of getting the ball, but it, it opens, it, you know, it drags defenders out and it opens up space for everybody else. And no one else makes those runs. And we were lacking without Mata against Stoke. I thought if, if we were going to make a change in the midfield um, against Stoke, in that regard, it should have been Carrick instead of Ander Herrera. If we want to keep our same shape now, I think it should be Ander Herrera just because he can run all over the place. But let's call a spade a spade here. It'll probably be Fellini. Yeah. I mean, I would rather see Carrick in before Fellini, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know how well Carrick and Modic would be. I have no idea. I, we don't know. That seems right. It just it seems to me like you'd be just going too defensive for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. back when, like, Snyder and Schweinsteiger played there and neither one of them, like, pushed the attack. Yeah. I feel like that's what would happen. You know, like, why, it's Everton at home who by the way, are coming in in colossally bad form. Yep. Uh, they've just lost. I mean, granted, the scheduling gods did Everton no favors. They had to play Chelsea, Tottenham, United, and I forget who they play next week, but it's not easy. No. It might be City. Yeah, and they dropped a uh, 3 nothing game to Atalanta on the road. And kudos to them because all their first-teamers played in that one. So they started all their first-teamers in the way Europa League game on Thursday. Now they got to come back to United. So that's not going to be easy. It gives us the advantage, uh, but we need to figure out if it, we have to see how this team is going to react without Pogba. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We'll see what Mourinho decides, but I could easily see him just putting in Fellini and call it a day, a day too. I could see him going Fellini and Herrera and like dropping Mata. Yeah, and going four three three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Then Manchester City. They go on the road. They go up against Watford. That's on Saturday. That's uh, the uh, 10 o'clock game on NBCSN. And, I mean, City, they had a good first game. They beat Feyenoord 4-0 on the road. John Stones with two goals. I mean, that's not what it was. It's credit the referee for sending off Sadio Mane, which, I mean, will not 
let's not make it out to be like this was a referee's decision. He kicked he kicked the goalkeeper in the face. He should have gotten sent off. But boom, maybe Jurgen Klopp taking off all of his players in the second half, which we agreed with that decision. Uh, but Manchester City just got to run up the score, and their offense is now clicking, and they just ran through Feyenoord. And yeah, I would expect them to do the same thing to Watford because that's what they needed. It was their wake up. They had been struggling, oh, and yeah. now they're awake. Yes, they sure are. Aguero and uh, Gabriel Jesus both scoring this one. Uh, Jesus playing out wide in this one. Uh, you know, I saw that on my app uh, when they before the game, and I was like, yeah, that's probably just the app, like mm-hmm. just making up a formation. I, I didn't actually watch the game. Uh, I had my eyes on three other games, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. And it's almost bad for Jesus because it's like that's, you know, that's what happened to Martial, and that's what happened to Rashford. Like you, you get placed out wide so that you, your manager could say like you're in the team but it's it's almost like a waste of your town and it's, it's very hard to get back to the middle yeah i think you know it's going to take a couple of bad games from aguero before he's back centrally yeah so yeah we'll we'll see what they can do against watford and uh with that we're going to jump into the scoring predictions and uh first up okay so we haven't gotten elias predict predictions so uh shocker yeah it is what it is. Are we looking at 1-0 for all the home teams? Uh, right now, yes. Yeah, if he oh, doesn't... Well, Wofford's, if he, Wofford's the home team in that game, so it's not a good... If he doesn't get things in before the start of the game tomorrow between Bournemouth and Brighton, then, uh, I mean, at least that one game is going to be one nothing to Bournemouth for him. So I hope he remembers that there is a uh, <laughs> a Friday game. You know what? I'm a nice guy, and I like competition, and I have a big enough lead on you guys. I will probably remind him. Oh, cocky already, huh? Yeah, going into this... I got 10 points last I week. I know, I know. Going into this week, you're sitting at the top 31 points. Uh, Elliot is in second with 23, and I have 21. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind if Elliot forgets. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Bournemouth against Brighton first out, though. And um, I'm going to go with the home team here i'm actually gonna go two to one yeah that's the score and i'm gonna go with but i'm gonna give it to brighton okay. i kind of hate the fact they won and scored a bunch of goals last week because it's more of a pick against bournemouth who i just they're not good and it's a problem yeah so yeah another team that's not good that's crystal palace and uh they play at home against southampton uh, still no word if uh, Van Dijk is going to play or or not for Southampton, um, which I feel like is kind of odd. I mean, it is what it is now. Just play him. He's not going anywhere yeah. until January probably anyway. Exactly. Um, Saints, 2 nothing. Uh Magic of the new manager because they have a new manager. So magic of the new manager. They will score their first goal of the year. Um, but that just only goes so far. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Yeah, Roy Hodgson in as new manager. I don't know. I will not be, like, trying to wake up early for this one. And no. Then we got Newcastle against Stoke. Uh, Newcastle, I mean, played a lot better last game. Uh, should I give him the home win? It's, it's entirely up to you. I mean, they had a good show. I mean, they played West Ham last time they were at home, though. So, I mean, I can't read too much into that. Mm, 1-1. Uh, Stokes got some spunk. I'll go 2-0. Yeah, 
to Stoke. Oh, wow. Okay. Then we got Liverpool against Burnley. Uh, who's home? Liverpool. Yeah. If this was at Turf Moor, I would probably give Burnley the draw. But here... No, I, I would... I got to go 3. I go 3-1 Liverpool. I go 1-0 to Liverpool. Hmm. I think it's it's going to just be one of those games where they have trouble to break them down. Oh, okay. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked with the draw here because Burnley have fared well on the road already this year. Yeah, which is uh, uncurst- uncharacteristically for them. Uh, Watford against Man City then. Uh, City firing on all cylinders. Watford been playing pretty well though. I'm going to go... F- Nah, they're going to smash them. 4-1. 4-0. Next up is West Brom against West Ham. You, you start this one, please. Oh, the, I, the most exciting week, game of the week. <laughs> this is going to be the game where it's like, oh, the ball was only in play for 47 minutes. Do we need to stop the clock? Like, no, we wanted that game to end sooner. Uh, every week I try to come up with reasons why we shouldn't follow the West Brom rules, but 1-0, West Brom. Okay. I'll go one nothing West Ham then, just to be different, because I know Elliot is gonna pick a draw here. Yeah, he's gonna go one one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then we got Huddersfield against Leicester. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, after a good start though, Huddersfield they got a scoreless draw against Southampton, then they lost on the road against West Ham. Yeah, but West Ham like came out flying in that one. Yeah. And that was the international break thing. Like we zagged. Zag when you guys were thinking zig and now we're back to you know it's hard to you can't think about last week when you're picking these games i mean lester what a brutal start here first they had arsenal then they played brighton but then they had man united and then chelsea i'm gonna go two nil to lester two nil to lester i'll go one one sort of to be different i can't I got to try something here. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the only way. Either I'll get lucky and I'll gain on you or I'll fall that's even further I, behind. Yeah, that's how I. That's how you got to get out to a lead. Yep. Then we got Tottenham. You got to go different. Yeah, Spurs at home to Swansea. I'm going to go 3 nothing Tottenham. Ah, uh, who? Counting on the fire of Harry Kane. I like that scoreline. I'm trying to come up with a reason why I think Swansea will score but uh, what did Swansea do last week? They they won, right? Uh, Swans, they drew? Uh, yeah, what did they do? They lost. Uh, one nothing at home to Newcastle. Oh, yeah, yeah to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. Before yeah, that, they won on the road against Crystal Palace. <laughs> I'm going to go 3-0. 3-0. Yeah, okay. that, that's not convincing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> then we got that London Derby, Chelsea, Arsenal, 3-1 to Chelsea. For the sake of being different, I'll go 3-0. Uh, we'll see if Elliot picks with his heart in that one. And then Manchester United against Everton. I think they, they're going to have trouble playing without Pogba. I really do. But I th- still think they're going to win this one. I'll go 2-1. Uh, Everton are just so bad right now. Without and You can't expect Calvert-Lewin, who's like their best player, to start because he just started tonight. But, yeah, I think we're going to struggle without without Mr. Pogs. Rooney's going to be heard from in his return to Old Trafford. Uh, 1-1 in, in a game more so that we drop points rather than Everton earns points. Okay. Well, there you have it. Uh, we're going to finish things off with Elliot's mobile take as he talks about 
Arsenal in their first ever game in the Europa League. So here's Elliot's mobile take and we'll say goodbye and we'll talk to you again next week. Hey guys, this is Elliot with my quick mobile take. I'm going to stick to Arsenal, I mean, you know. And the first thing, first with Arsenal's first ever Europa League match, the delay, because 20,000 fans from Cologne showed up with the 3,000 allocated tickets. The first thing you have to say is... Arsenal should have been better prepared. I can't speak to the security compliment at the Emirates, whether they downgraded it for the sake of Europa League rather than Champions League. I, I doubt it, but who's... I mean, it's hard to say. I, I really couldn't tell you. I don't know if anybody who isn't inside the stadium or inside the club could tell you that. I do think that UEFA should consider taking action about this. I mean, you know, uh, forcing the kickoff to be delayed by an hour, it's not terribly egregious, but it is an offense of some kind. I mean, I don't think that, you know, if had the game been forced to be suspended, for example, then you have a whole conversation about dropping points, but I don't know. They've, they've got to consider it. And I think that that's fair considering, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of fans without tickets forced their way into the stadium. But let's be honest, it's also kind of awesome to see that kind of support come out. So, you know, as an Arsenal supporter, I'm partisan, but from a neutral perspective, it's kind of cool to see that many people come out and support their team abroad. But you know what? They never would have done that if Podolski was still playing for Arsenal. (laughs) Cologne boy that he is. So back to the, you know, onto the match itself. 3-1 win for Arsenal. In theory, that's, I mean, that's a great result, right? Like, on paper, it seems that way. But for all the world, it looked like we were going to have egg on our faces. Once again, early goal for Cologne gave them the lead. Ospina was entirely at fault. First for that, with an egregious messed up clearance. And then he was lucky to not have at least a yellow and give up a penalty later when he took out one of the Cologne players missed the ball entirely and was let off due to the fact that it was offside. But as frustrating as that was, the good points from an Arsenal perspective, first, Alexis is 100% full fitness. I mean, there there can be no doubt about that after this. You know, he had a, a beautiful second goal, which... You know, I mean, I was watching the game in Spanish and they kept calling him Wonder Boy. And it, it bespoke that, right? It was... Fantastic play for him for the second, and even more to the point of him being fully fit, the third goal was all his hard work, right? It was, he, you know, was bombing down the flank, worked really hard to make, to nick the ball just barely to stay in possession. Um, So he's, no more qualms about him not being fully match fit. He showed us that tonight. And the last thing I'll say is, Kolosniak's goal was a thing of beauty. I mean, after Walcott arguably should have volleyed and then took the ball down and had his cross blocked, Kolosniak showed him how you volley a ball. But the best part, the best part, was lifting his jersey to show underneath, and whether he was planning on wearing this already or not, I imagine he was before the Cologne fan debacle, Nordkurve in Deinerstadt, meaning North Curve in your city, which is the north end, you know the the north end ultra fan section for Schalke against a you know not an arch rival but a regional rival in Cologne. I absolutely love it. I think that that is mad respect for his former club. I'm sure Schalke fans love it. I'm sure Cologne fans are annoyed by it. But you know what? You had 
your strong-armed moment in the sun. I think this is a fantastic moment to give respect to his old club for a player I'm thrilled to have at Arsenal and a player who will absolutely be on the team sheet when we go to Stamford Bridge. That's all I've got from you here. Send it back to you guys, and we'll talk to you again after the weekend matches. Thank